1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Mike Coulson, who is becoming a really good friend and very excited about some of the things, doing amazing stuff online, amazing stuff with a small building, multiple services. He is the pastor of People's Evangelical Community Church in a town that I can't pronounce the name of in Eastern Pennsylvania. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Ralph. I really appreciate being on here.
1: Tell me, begin with, a little bit about your journey to faith and your journey to become a pastor. Kind of nutshell stuff here, not too much time. And then you're, you have a very unique view, becoming more widespread, much like yours. You have a unique view of the ministry in that you aspire to be self-supporting and not have the church support you, which I think is prophetic, almost, of the future of the church climate we live in. So just you know, introduce yourself a little bit, and then we'll get into
0: My journey to, to Christ uh, was over a long time period. So I grew up uh, attending church very sporadically. Uh, there was never a point where I felt like I, I didn't believe. I always considered myself a believer, but maybe when... A handful of times each year uh, in college, started to go on a little bit more regular basis. Thought, okay, now I'm I'm really. I'm really being a Christian now. I uh, got married right after college and my wife and I started attending a church every week. Uh, I got involved in serving on in the leadership of the church there and thought, man, this is now I'm really being a Christian. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, while I was looking into getting an MBA, uh, he goes, hey, why don't you take some Bible classes with me? And I thought, well, that sounds like a lot more fun than than finance classes and business classes and might be a little bit more useful. So started taking that with him and The very first one was this overview of the Bible class, the survey of the Bible. It was the first time in my life that all the pieces, all those segmented stories I had learned growing up, It all fell into place. It just hit me of this, this book, the Bible is really true. And I actually have to live my life accordingly to this. Uh, And it completely changed everything. And over the course of the next couple of years, God really spoke into my life about two years of you need to reach the people that were just like you, Uh, those people that are attending church every week uh, and it's not clicking for them. So. Uh, that's what spurred me to to start taking uh classes to become a pastor start going to seminary and just had a, a wonderful opportunity to, to start doing some preaching in the church i was attending at uh leading adult discipleship there and then uh uh, God opened up this amazing opportunity at uh, at the perfect timing, uh, like he always does for, for me to, uh, to step into the role that I, I now have being the senior pastor here.
1: How did that work? What, what happened?
0: So I was uh, running a financial planning business for uh, about six years and uh, supporting my family. I was a sole income earner and doing it entirely on commission. Uh, and God teaches you a lot about depending on him when you work on commission and have a family. And I got to this point where I was really burnt out. The stress was getting to me and I came downstairs from my office, which was on the third floor of our house, one Sunday evening and I told my wife, like almost in tears, I can't do this anymore. Uh, the stress was just getting to me. The next day I got an interview from an insurance company and they said, uh, we're interested in you leading up a new office, a regional office in your area. Spoke with them, the very next day they had me for a phone interview. That went well, the very next day, Uh, They sent someone to to meet with me for lunch about this opportunity. And on my way to that lunch, I got the call from our denomination that a a pastoring position opened up. And so in the the course of that day, I was offered two jobs. Essentially, one was leading a new regional office uh, in a in an industry that I was burnt out and stressed out in but they said you'd be making 2 to 300,000 a year or you can take a pay cut and lead this church and it was a super easy decision to make because I knew that it was just purely in my picking God or am I picking money? And I knew that I would never be able to look at my kids and tell them I picked money. So uh, the position was not expected to open up. Uh, I knew of the church it's about 10 minutes away from where we were living. Um, it's been an amazing journey.
1: So give us the elevator speech version of your philosophy of ministry and the, what you're doing, and then we'll dig we'll dig into.
0: Starting off, so I've been here for almost six years at the church. For the first five and a half of those, I entered into it going, what was the thing that brought me to Christ, that was a deeper understanding of his word. So I spent that time uh, leading multiple Bible studies every week, really trying to teach people. And I, I love teaching people the the word of God. And uh, I was invited to take part in the, the exponential cohorts, uh, the gatherings that, that take place through them. And it was last November in New York City. My whole philosophy and approach changed. It was, it was God speaking through you, Ralph, uh, that actually did that. And he said two things to me that day as we sat in that, that room in the, the hub there in New York City. Uh, and he said two things to me. He said, one, Mike, you're stunting the growth of my people. And two, you need to encourage them and empower them to do what I'm calling them to do. And that was incredibly humbling because I realized that I had been giving his people fish and hopefully really good fish, right? I'm I'm giving them the word on Sunday morning, giving them a really good meal. And then I'm letting them starve the rest of the week, because I, I've never taught them how to fish themselves. I've never been intentional on teaching people how to study the word and how to hear God's voice through it. And if they can't do it for themselves, how in the world are they going to teach others? I'm sending them out the door saying, go make disciples, never instructing them how to actually do that. So we came back and we decided to uh, to take God's leading and begin Uh, A discipleship pathway that leads people to to meet one on one with other uh, believers and nonbelievers and through daily Bible reading and just lead them in how to to understand a passage, hear from God through it and then implement it in their lives. And uh, once they understand the gospel and how to lead other people to hear God's voice through his word, then they're ready to go out and lead others in that. And we'll keep uh, we'll keep training and and coaching them up while they're on the job. So
1: I'm a young church finder. I grew up in Legacy. I'm kind of where you're at. I've throwing out fish every week and people are hungry and I need some practical step. You, you said that you're putting people together with believers and nuns, and I wouldn't quite know how to do that. What would you do? Where did you get some traction? Give it to me pretty simple because I'm I'm pretty confused.
0: Yeah. So we have a in our in-person church. We have our online church as well. Uh, I oversee both those for in-person. Uh, I know our leaders are already maxed out, right? Uh, in any church, the people who are on ministry council, the leadership team, they're they're normally running at capacity or over capacity. Uh, so I didn't bother them. I gave them the vision and I started seeking out the people in our church that were not serving in leadership, but really had a, a lot of potential. They were uh, mature Christians. They were people that were hungry for the word. Some of them were were newer Christians, but these are just people that were hungry for the word and weren't involved in leadership yet. And just started doing this with them because I, I knew that before I go out uh, of the church and start focusing on those outside of the church, I need to raise up a good core group here first. Uh, so it's it's all of us as the core group then going out. Uh, I'll tell you, I've, I've never seen people uh, so excited to be in the word of God uh, as when I started to to meet with them to do this. I took, uh, I read uh, Dave Fergan's book, uh, Hero Maker, right? And just had that conversation with this of, I, I see this th- this great potential in you. And I see your hunger and your desire. And I want to spend this time meeting with you each week and walking through this. But I want you to make the commitment to take this seriously and make the commitment that when that when we're done with this, when when you're ready, you're going to do this with two or three other people in your life. We agreed to that right up front because I love uh, what Pete Cesaro says of, uh, never expect anything from anyone unless it's been mutually agreed upon. So I set the expectations right up front with them of, I want to do this with you. I want to commit to that. You can expect that from me. Uh, And here's what the expectation is for you uh, to follow through and then lead others in this as well.
1: Wow. And you're not programming it. You're kind of leaving it. I mean, obviously you could use the word program, to describe gathering people together that are that tier of people in the church who are not in maxed out leadership, but they're hungry because we often don't pay attention to me, they're the cold, but then you're kind of making a contract. We're going to agree to do this and we're going to commit. But then on the other end of the back end of it, you're not necessarily specifying, this is what you go do. You're kind of leaving it up to the spirit.
0: Yeah. So what I actually walk with them through our first meeting, we kind of call it our prospectus Meeting because I sit down, and I explain like this is this is what I would like to do with you if if you would like to commit to this. And what I ask them to do is uh, a daily Bible reading. I-, I want you to read one basically one paragraph each day, five to 10 verses. So real simple and quick, right? Uh, And then journal the answer to three questions. Uh, What happened in this passage? So what happened then? Uh, What is God saying to you specifically now? Not the 10 things he could teach through this, but what is he saying to you right now in this season of your life? And then what is one specific and measurable way that you can put that into action? And we try to deconstruct it from this overarching goal. That's like a new year's resolution that We're never going to just wake up tomorrow and be that thing, you know, more patient, more forgiving, whatever it may be that God is leading us to be. And we try to walk it back to what's the next step that I need to do? I want to be more forgiving. What's the next thing that I need to put in place? Or where's my next area of focus to grow in that? We we like to call it a, a pathway because we're walking with people on that journey, but it's it's just using the Bible. It's it's incredibly and almost absurdly simple as we walk with people through this. And through walking with this, I'm not only I'm not only asking them to do this and going over it with them each week as we sit down, we just pick out one of those days and talk about it, but I'm also coaching them how to do it with others. And I'm explaining them why I'm asking a particular question, why we're approaching it from this way. Because I want them to know the why of everything we're doing so that they are then equipped to then lead somebody else in doing the same thing.
1: How long do you meet with Hardy? Is it just ongoing?
0: For, for people who are already believers and have a good foundation, I, I've found that we don't want to meet for more than six weeks before we send them out. Because they'll start to get paralyzed and thinking that they need to have this perfected, they need to know enough, they'll, they'll start to get bogged down and all those things that, that keep us from going out and actually serving God. So I like to launch them out really quickly, kind of uh, four weeks is kind of that sweet spot of they they're starting to understand the why of of this, then I keep following up with them. I, I, I take it back to every other week then, uh, because as they're leading others, I wanna still be there to support them. I wanna still be there to for them to ask questions, to bounce things off of. So I'm not going away once you're launched. I'm not just kicking you out of the nest. But I want you to, to then learn on the job from there on out.
1: So then how does a person... Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole multiplicity of ways that you know of. But tell us a story or two about how somebody got... After their launch, what did they do? And how did they do this with people who weren't a Christ followers?
0: Yeah, so... We are in the early stage of this, so we we came back in November, working through what does this look like, and we actually started to to implement it online first, uh, and then in person. So we've only been walking through this since January. So we're we're starting to see uh, the first layer of second generation people, and just encouraging them. You know, who in who are the people that you know that you already have relationships with uh, that aren't in the word daily? Uh, who are the people that uh, that you think that this would help? If they would walk through this as well and just invite those people to do this. And it's it's people that they already have friendships with. They already know really well. So it's not that scary of a thing. We're not on a street corner trying to talk to strangers because I I would freeze up in that situation. But they're talking to their, their good friends. They're talking to people they're already spending time with, uh, which is making it a lot easier to walk down this path.
1: You know what? One uh, interesting thing happened to me. Recently. Um, I was in Houston. And I got there at night. It was dark, a little bit scary. I was with a friend, but we're, we're, we're in downtown area. So it's kind of a place where you don't necessarily know you want to be. Homeless people around, whatever. It's two guys step out from alcohol. They're, they're well well put together guys. Uh, both were African-American and they got a track. And they go, um, We're trying to talk to people about the gospel. Would it be okay if we talked with you? They they held the tract out. And, you know, I'm the introvert. I just didn't say anything. My friend took the tract and go, Hey, man, God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. This is great stuff. But I thought these people are so gentlemen about the way that they approach that. And I think that that bleeds over into existing relations, that you could talk to your non-believing friend and go, you know, we're doing this thing. And, you know, I, I even have learned to add this little phrase into it. You know, you know, we're, we're talking about the Bible. And if there is a God, uh, would it be appealing to you to be part of this thing that we're doing together? Because it does whatever it does. There's ways of getting into people's lives. And sometimes the church, I think we're just a little too preachy. And that that we've we've got to build the relationship and then ask people permission to get to look at the Bible together and, and go from there. So what has happened? Give us a little bit of the scope. I mean, you're very early, so almost an unfair question to ask, but you've been doing this since January. Where, where are we at now in the second
0: yeah so uh in person we uh we're just getting into the the, the second tier there the first people that I, I launched off there uh, a wonderful couple and they're starting to do this with a couple of their friends so that's it's the very first fruits of of what we're, we're trying to do that second generation uh but they actually uh were're talking to to one of their friends about it and he's like I I have this vision of, of wanting to reach people I have this desire and I, I don't know how to do it and this is this just gives people a possible pathway to walk down to do that.
1: There's a skeptics, right? Yeah. Who's going, wow, he described describe anybody outside of Christ still talking to church. I want to say that I've spent a long time in my early life studying revival. And then I experienced this revival. And I know that started exactly the kind of stuff you are talking the hunger for word. People begin to... Discuss it, of ordinary people, not churchy church stuff. People in organic group. That as we got going, we got smart enough to create grouping. So the legacy church is creating the non-legacy kind of stuff, where we're gathering mm-hmm. together. When I started out, including the church I worked, if you did a home Bible study, you were a rebel. All, all, all that stuff happens on the church campus, and and I got in trouble. I mean, for a lot of things, but and I was in a good church. It it, it was the least weird in a weird generation, but the, the weirdness was still there. And so we we. Our deal was we go to the beach, you know, free ride to the beach, a hot San Fernando Valley where we lived. But you got to bring a Bible and, you know, bring your surfboard, whatever, bring your bologna and mayonnaise sandwiches. That's what we all ate in those days. And uh, at the end of the day, we're going to sit around and, and ask, What did you get from the Bible this week? That was all it was. And so yeah. believers and non believers show up. So you're asking a non believer, What did you mean the Bible is? And, and we were totally new at this, so we don't know what the heck they're doing. So we're not like saying, oh, go read these two. We're saying, read the Bible. So they probably are starting in Genesis. Who knows where they start? They're kind of on their own. For the Holy Spirit interacts with people and they come back. And, and so I, I, I just want to say that from my experience, the, the Jesus revival, the Jesus movement, started with little groups of people doing almost exactly what Mike's. And that if you're sitting here going, "Oh well, he's only doing something," Christian people realize that that you got to do that on the way to the other thing. Because here's what's going on: and the people that he's coaching are comfortable coaching others, and that's going to set them up for when they meet the the non-believing person. Who needs what they got they're going to offer it and and then the thing's going to explode from there that's just how it works it's how it's always worked throughout history it may have been more prayer focused it may have been more word focused it always starts believers you know we get these two terms uh screwed up the one is revival and the other is spiritual awakening a spiritual awakening cannot happen unless there's a revival at church and what michael is describing to us the process of revival the first step and so i i you know I apologize to everybody for preaching when Mike's supposed to be talking, but you got to get this down or you're not.
0: You know, I know uh, every pastor knows, right, that not everybody probably a a much smaller number than we would like to admit uh, of the people attending our churches are daily in his word and hearing God's voice. I can go out and I can do this thing among nonbelievers, and that'll be that'll be an awesome thing. But if I can get the people who are already coming to church first to be in his word daily, and to, to be hearing God's voice and to be equipped. And then all of us go out. Uh, now now we're going to be a force. We're also listening to those things that that God is uniquely calling them to. What people groups are they connected with? So as as I'm walking through this with them, as, as I'm coaching them, we're identifying, hey, where, where does your Venn diagram overlap? Uh, where does your relationship with the church overlap with this other group? So that uh, we can all go out together on fire for the Lord. Take me
1: to what your church looks like, because you're because you basically a pastor. And, yeah. and how does how does that all work? And then talk us about. I mean, you're in a small community. The the church isn't that large, a congregation, and yet you're doing some pretty fantastic thing. And you what you have a small building, so you get multiple services. Tell tell us kind of you know what that looks like. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how you got into doing the online thing. It's going to be part of what you tell us. So you know, just go ahead and freewheel.
0: We have three services every Sunday. Two that are in English and one that is in Spanish. And we are in a small community. So our the county that we live in only has sixty thousand people. Our town is, I believe, the the largest in the county. We have about ten thousand who live uh, in our town. So it's not a it's not a big area. But we we have two services. In English, uh, one is more contemporary, one's uh, more traditional, and then the Spanish service. So we have uh, roughly about 80 people coming to the English services, 20 or so each week to the Spanish services. And uh, we started the Spanish because uh, a couple of years ago we had a a bilingual uh, music group come in. Uh, to lead a night of worship. And I wanted to call up all the Spanish churches. And we realized there were none in our county. And I, I know that there are Spanish speaking individuals here. And uh, I felt God was saying, do something about this, step into the gap. So we started the service uh, when we had nobody in our congregation who spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God was like, "You can, you can reach these people. Uh, meet them where they're at. Don't wait for them to learn English.
1: How did yeah. you start? I mean, do you speak Spanish?
0: No. <laughs> so how, how
1: did how did you go about starting a Spanish service in a in a basically English speaking church? This is this is interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so God has led us down some some pretty crazy, absurd pathways. Our church is about 130 years old. Uh, But I am so blessed. Our congregation and and our ministry council, they're willing to go wherever God is leading us. Uh, So after that experience, I went to them and said, I feel like God is leading us to do this. And they were like, all right. So we we started in prayer because we needed to find a pastor that spoke in Spanish to lead this service because none of us could do it. Uh, we started reaching out, con- I started Facebook messaging and texting anybody I knew who spoke Spanish or who I thought might know somebody who spoke Spanish. And do you know anybody who is a pastor and started contacting all of our local churches? Do you, do any of you know? And we found uh, a Spanish pastor about 45 minutes away, spoke with him and he said, I-, I feel like God has been calling me to reach out of this city that we're in uh, and-, and to do ministry in another place. And you contacted me. For about a, a year and a half, two years, he, he made the 45-minute drive each way uh, to lead services with us. And now the service is up and running. The worship is led by somebody who started attending that church service through yard signs we had. Put up. Uh, <laughs> we have a young couple that is uh, now leading the the services. I used to sit in on more of the services because it always reminds me of what the day of Pentecost must have looked like, seeing the gospel preached in other languages. To see a family with little kids and make a decision, make a commitment to, to give their lives to the Lord. Um, I'll never forget that day uh, and never forget seeing that and going, God, you are so good. There is no way we would have ever have walked down this path without you guiding us. And now we're seeing the fruit of just stepping out in faith to, to do this crazy thing that you've led us to. And it's just one of those pieces of the journey where it just cements in us of we just have to listen to what God is saying and he'll figure out the details and put them into place as they're needed. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at RalphMore.net.